What's going on, everybody? Daryl Frieder, the club CEO here, and we have another amazing episode of the My DJ Story podcast brought to you by The Club, the number one live streaming app for DJs and partygoers. Today, we have my brother, DJ Ron Perry, on the show. Brother, can you please introduce yourself to the people who you are and where you're from? I am DJ Ron Perry. I'm currently based out of the Dayton, Cincinnati, Ohio area. Awesome, man. We're super excited to have you on the My DJ Story podcast. So we want to hear your story in the industry and kind of hear about the beginning days, you know, why you got started as a DJ and what sparked that initial interest. So take us there. My journey started when I was five. I was in the music uh, already, plunking around on the borrowed guitar. At six, already my folks gave me a guitar, an amplifier, guitar lessons. At eight, I was playing the drums. Nine to 12, I was in garage bands, singing, playing, and drumming. 13 to 17, I was doing sound and lights. And during that 12 year span, I absorbed music from my father's collection, from my collection, friends' collections, and a vast way of uh, bluegrass country, uh, rockabilly, uh, rock and roll, soul, and it just kept growing. And then I left home. I got to California. I was in the Marine Corps, got stationed uh, Camp Pendleton and got introduced to the music that I had not heard before that. Basically, some of the artists were the same, but it wasn't Billboard. And, you know, in the 60s, Billboard was the mainstream uh, launchpad for everybody. And got my first introduction to jazz music. And it just kept growing and growing and growing. Watching a lot of TV with American Bandstand over the years and Soul Train, Lawrence Welk, Ed Sullivan. Anything I had music, I was there. And it was the art, the music, and the impact that it had on people that kept drawing me and drawing me. So moving to 1974, I had like 200 or more, maybe two to 300 records. And I started, uh, thinking, you know, changing records all the time. So eight tracks were going out, cassettes were coming in. So I started making cassettes. And on these cassettes, I would put intros and exits and samples in between, not knowing what I was leading to do here. Just methodically putting together cassettes of my music that I would enjoy listening to. And as I played those cassettes, people heard them, liked them, loved them, and wanted them. Jumping into 1975, I was invited to some house parties and was asked to bring some of those cassettes. <laughs> and when I saw the impact that those cassettes had on people that I knew and didn't know, that was the tipping point. And 45 years later, I'm here talking to you. <laughs> I still have the same love for music, the same love for the art, and have the same impact on people and still absorbing music all along the way. Wow, that's an amazing introduction, introduced to music from a very young age and stuck through it the entire time and had a lot of fun on your journey. Super exciting, man. I think that when you have it and it's embedded into your life very early, there's this natural feeling that you can't leave it and it's just always with you for the rest of your life. I would love to hear, you know, at what point did you realize that DJing was for you and that you wanted to turn it into something that you would be doing pretty much for the rest of your life? It was in 1970, 
five, I, I have to say that I went into this little bar and I didn't have two turntables, didn't have a mixer. I had a cassette, a turntable and an equalizer that I pushed the button to keep the airspace as tight as all possible, keeping the needle right on the record and, and so forth. And I was making then $200 a week, working two nights a week. And the place would just be constantly a flow of people. And so not being at that point, what well, I would say a true DJ and not having the true setup, again, seeing that impact on people, I knew that I had to stay in this, you know, whether I had a day job or not, I had to stay in this lane. And it just moved forward from there. I used turntables and mixers when there were places that had them. And I used my other stuff that I just mentioned till I had the money and the uh, resources to get what I wanted. That's great, man. And it takes time to really build that up. You know, it's a, a, a hard thing to do sometimes, especially if you're coming from limited resources. And it's kind of risky when you, you know, just jump out the gate and, and want to buy a lot of equipment. So I like that, you know, you were able to save up and build into it as you transitioned from a hobby to more of a business with what you're doing with your DJ career. You know, I love to take this time to jump into a quick commercial break. But when we come back, we're going to talk about some of the learning lessons that you learned throughout your journey. Okay. Sure. And we're back with the My DJ Story podcast. We're here with my brother, DJ Ron Perry, and he's telling us an amazing story about his journey in the DJ industry. So, Ron, you've been in the DJ game for a lot of time, and you have a lot of experience under your belt. Can you talk to me about some of the key major learning lessons that you had throughout your journey? Um, there's always ups and downs. There's always hurdles and things that you have to learn as a DJ. Um, and this podcast is used to, you know, share your story for the effort of helping other DJs in their journey. Um, so what are some things that you learned throughout your journey that has helped you as a DJ in this industry? The first thing is realizing that you have to navigate it's a constant navigation, especially nowadays. But even early on, I worked for the government during the day, so I moved quite uh, often over a number of years. And markets are different. So you, you always have a different market and they have a different way of doing things. So you have to be able to navigate through the marketplace, the way that the establishments handle DJs, the crowds, the styles of music. And then you roll into the years. I mean, I've went from the 70s to the 80s to the 90s to today and i've went from vinyl to cdjs to laptop and we've went from large venues to smaller venues now and even the live stream which i have never done yet but again you have to be willing to transition with all this stuff and navigate wisely because uh, it can crush in a moment's notice yeah and a lot has changed with djing and the industry you know, with just the change of technology, with the change of people's interests and the change of the party scene and event scene in general, so much has changed and you have to keep up with it or you're going to get left behind. You know, what are some of the changes that you were able to make and the pivots in the industry that you were able to make and um, how were you able to navigate through that and what kind of gave you that willingness to change? Because some DJs and some people in general just are stuck in certain ways and People don't like change generally, uh, but what did you see or what kind of things made it easier for you to invest in those transitions and keep up with the times? I think it goes back to the beginning, the love for the music, the love for the art and the impact that it has on people. And 
if you make these changes and those those three things still stay the same, then you you got to keep rolling. And I think that's where what you had mentioned a second ago, when someone wants to be a specific DJ and they don't want to change, when that particular lane has a bunch of potholes and stuff, they don't know what to do because they've never navigated before uh, outside of that lane. And and so it's it's real important that even if you don't want to be this type of DJ or another, at least dabble in that lane just to get that experience, uh, to, to make that decision. Because I didn't have a mentor. I carved my way by putting my nose to the grind, keeping my head down. And I sit here today and I, I look back and, and I was successful almost all the time. I, I have to say pretty much all the time. Because in my time in New York, never had any flyers or anything. It was all word of mouth. And I was doing close to 100 shows a year back in the early 80s. And that was all word of mouth. And so you put that into uh, a time when not much changed, really. I mean, in New York City, they wanted one thing. They wanted good, they wanted consistent, and they wanted stuff they haven't heard before versus the stuff that they hear on the radio eight hours a day. And, and so again, we go back to the navigation piece versus like San Francisco, where it's a little bit more laid back. Uh, again, they wanted non-commercial music more than commercial, but like New York, if you're not good, they're gonna boo you out. In San Francisco, they're just not gonna ask you back. <laughs> and, and so that's the difference. But like you say, that would crush some DJs. Yeah, man, and it seemed like you had an amazing brand um, being able to pack shows and do events solely based on word of mouth shows the high quality and the seriousness that you take your craft uh, i think that's super important because it shows that people like you so much that they want to talk about you to other people and that shows that you have something special because people don't ever tell other people about things that they don't want or don't like and um unless it's you know negative or they, they're talking trash but like it's never um, going to be a positive thing if they're talking bad about you but you're able to do it with little to no marketing i think that that's truly amazing um and it's super hard to do in today um quick question in regards to just how you build your business and kind of do your djing as a whole do you have anyone on your team that you work with um friends family members or even partners or employees you know, basically, I keep it in-house. My wife, uh, our son, uh, my our two daughters, and we even have older grandkids that uh, their feedback or soundboarding and getting you know feedback or criticism from them, uh, they're not shy about it. And when it comes to blogging nowadays, social media, that type of stuff, um, they're they're quick to say you should do this versus that, or and and, and whether I make a full change or no change. I still respect their opinion and, and I make note of it somewhere. You know, I, I write it down just for that day or the next day or the next year. And I do collaborate with other DJs, but as far as a confidant team, it's pretty much in-house. It's great, man. It's important to build your team and figure out what team structure works for you. Um, because everyone has a different flow of how they build their team. Um, it's really important that you figure out what's your flow and what's going to be great for your business. I can tell you're very family oriented. We actually have some people from your side trying to join the call right now. Should I let them in? Oh, yeah, sure. Sure. <laughs> Awesome. And yeah, I, I think that family is super important in the way that you ingrade your family 
to this business um, is super important. Talk to me a little bit about, you know, the role that your different family members play within your business and just how you're able to establish that dynamic and how it just works as a unit. You know, it's like with the children and now uh, the grandchildren is the demographic thing, because a lot of DJs really, if they don't need to watch the change in demographics because that affects the music affects the venues affects everything and one of my daughters is a photographer uh, graduated from the fine arts in san francisco and so when it comes to like video or you know that type of stuff she's pretty much right on top of it and then none of them like the same music pretty much. So I get different takes from electronic to eclectic to country uh, to pop. So they, they keep me in tune in that regards as well. So it, it, it helps to know that you can get different layers of, of music for sure. Definitely. I love it. And just having a diverse group of people on your team, um, it really allows you to see things at different angles and different ways to view your DJ career and the way you take care and play with music. So I think that's really great that you have them involved. You know, I would love for you to talk a little bit about, you know, your branding and, and how you go about differentiating yourself amongst other DJs. First of all, how did you get the name DJ Ron Perry? And talk to me a little bit about that and kind of what that branding means for you. You know, early on, uh, people would call me Perry, would call me Ron, call me DJ Ron, DJ Perry. And <clears throat> I went with DJ Ron for a little bit, but I just figured this is who I am. This is what you get. And let's keep it simple. And as far as the branding piece, I, I just think it's just the word of mouth that really took it off in the early years because, you know, you're looking 70, 25 years of DJ and there was no social media really. And so you either paid for radio or paid for flyers or, you know, you was on the street corner marketing yourself or whatever it may be. And I just think to me, it was the consistency, the play, play, play. And the more I played, people wanted me to keep playing. So it just would grow from there. And, you know, like a little quick story later on, there was these, uh, a place that I played and people were always wanting to take photos and a lot of them were of the uh, Latin culture. And one night these two girls said, we got to get a picture, we got to get a picture. And I'm like, so I, I said, I got to ask, what is it with the picture, you know, and, and the Latin community? And they were on a work visa from Lima, Peru. And when they come up, People would say, hey, if you're going to Colorado to work at the Broadmoor, you've got to party with DJ Ron Perry. And so they were taking the pictures to prove <laughs> when they went back to Lima, Peru, that they had partied with me. And that's that brand had carried down to there. Wow, that's an amazing story. And it shows just how much of an impact you have on the lives of people through your DJing and through your music that people are talking about you internationally. And that's super special. You know, I think that you're building a strong brand and a strong relationship with your audiences and are so kind to take the pictures and really be involved with them in that capacity. You know, a little earlier, we talked about family and it seems like your family have joined the call. I would love for you to kind of 
dive deeper into our discussion about how you used family as a, a cornerstone or as a foundation of your business and were able to have them involved and use them in various capacities to aid you in your journey. Um, uh, you know, we go back like to my wife. She always keeps me in check if I if for something that she thinks that I need to pay closer attention to. I mean, she's my closest confidant when it comes to that. And uh, again, when it comes to the social media, I would say like Heather that's on now, she's always keeping me in check with all of that. And, and the music piece, I, I get it from everybody. So, uh, or even our son, he will hit me up sometimes. Hey, have you heard this? Have you tried this? Do you know about this? Or even would you like to come out to San Francisco? I can hook you up with the show. And here we are, you know, we just keep moving forward and keep moving forward because even now where I live in Ohio, one daughter lives in Reno, which is a different marketplace. Uh, our other daughter and son live in San Francisco and our grandson who's 21 lives in San Francisco as well. And so we, you know, have those different market advantages as well. And then with them being out there also, it gives me a different perspective versus what I see here in Ohio also. That's really great. Talk to me a little bit about, you know, towards the most recent changes in your business and just the way you go about COVID has really disrupted the entire industry, has changed the, the game for everyone. What things have you done to kind of pivot and keep yourself active in this time and kind of um, take advantage or to kind of make change within this current time period? Well, for me, patience, uh, <laughs> because COVID, COVID hit and changed all things to where people are gun shy anymore so much as far as how they want to do things and what they want to actually do. And it seems like now things are starting to break open here and people are getting a little crazy about just jumping back out. But through the COVID period, it was still laying foundation work. Even though I wasn't doing any shows, it was dropping my mixes online, social media. I would put, I, I had a quarantine mix series where every day I would drop a mix and um, would network through the Chamber of Commerce, you know, at their, well, they didn't have too many of them. That was before. So uh, it basically was the mixes on social media and phone calls, emails, tagging, organizations and I get responses like once the COVID opens back up, we'll get in touch with you. I mean, it's just staying connected, I guess would be the best thing to say. That's great. And I'm glad that, you know, you didn't let this experience of the pandemic stop you from moving forward. You know, there's a lot of DJs that saw this and just kind of took it up as a loss and just like didn't figure out ways to operate and improve their skills and their, and their business in the downtime. I'm glad to see that you were able to figure out, you know, how to make the best use of this time and really per progress yourself and allow yourself to be ready once things get back to some sense of normalcy. Here's um, another another point on that, if I could real quick, is that I play in smaller venues also. They have limitations on how many people. So, you know, keeping uh, uh, the mask part in check, keeping yourself away from most everybody, but still playing in the, in the establishments doing social media or social distancing, I should say. It worked. And just to give an example, I had 106 shows on the books in 2020. 37 of those got canceled. 
and I picked up some others, but they were all small. And a lot of that was because the bigger shows couldn't get the, the permits and, and of course the restrictions and all. But again, every time I played in front of 25 or 30 or 50 people, those are 25, 30 or 50 people that you're staying connected with. And so doing 69 shows last year was to me an achievement in itself considering COVID. Definitely, man. And thank you for sharing this because this is very helpful to our audience out there. Most of them are DJs that are either getting started with their journey or are in their journey and trying to figure out what their next step is. You know, for you, what do you see yourself doing in the next, you know, five years or so within your DJ journey? And and how could my audience, myself, the club and the community that we're building help and support you in those journeys? Well, I haven't looked five years ahead. Uh, you know, I, I I guess I never saw myself DJing in the 60s and, you know, I'll be in my 70s by the time we get to five years, Mark. And so I don't know about that. Uh, what I do is I evaluate every year and see where I'm at, see how things are and see how I want to approach the next year. And, and I, I do that every year. What I'd like to try to do, though, is I, I'd like to get into the live stream a little bit just to see if it's something that I'm going to like or not like. That could prolong things as well. I, I also want to be able to continue to maintain the energy that I still have. And so I work hard at doing that in different ways, health-wise and, and uh, balance and things of that sort. So... And I'd love to play it somewhere like the boiler room or something like that, just to close out my career, you know, something, something crazy. But uh, yeah, I don't look too far than this year right now. It's a good philosophy. I really agree with that by just looking at what's in front of you currently yeah. and not worrying about things that are too far away. Um, you can always focus on the current and give it your all and do the best you can do in these moments. So I love that answer. Um, thank you for sharing that, man. Um, and is there anything else you want to share in terms of piece of advice for DJs out there um, or people that's just looking to get into the industry um, or take their game to the next level before we jump into our lightning round? I would say definitely draw up a plan. And in that plan, you know, you have your objective, you have your expectations, you have your process, your marketing piece, all, all these type of things, because they, they play an important role. And, and it's easy to get uh, thrown off that if you don't have it to fall back to as a hard plan. You get into like, like the process. Uh, it, it controls the other things like some DJs are married. Some DJs have kids, some day, DJs have day jobs. So there has to be a balance between the two uh, because DJing is not just stepping up and playing in front of people. You have your marketing part, you have your exercise part, you know, with your music, you have the studying of music, etc. And, and so, you know, exercise, all these things, you, you have to find that balance and that all falls back into the plan not being uh, frustrated by different things. So the plan is probably the key piece. Love it, man. We're gonna jump into the lightning round. Are you ready? Yes. Awesome. Describe your DJ setup, hardware and software. Software mainly is Serato. I've used Tractor, but it's pretty much Serato. My hardware, all my speakers are JBL and the passive is all QSC for the amps. 
And my top pieces are Pioneer primarily. I do have two sets of turntables, Techniques and Pioneer 1000s. I have a rolling board, but I have two Pioneer boards. I have a set of Pioneer CDJs. So I pretty much, I have a rain mixer and then the rest of the mixers are Pioneer. And that's the, it. I mean, I've used a lot of other stuff, but I just make sure that it all interfaces and is compatible with, every component is compatible with the other. Who's your favorite DJ? You know, I would say Wolfman Jack, but <laughs> no, uh, actually, uh, in today's uh, world of DJing, I don't, I don't know that I have a favorite one, but the one that stands out to me the most, uh, if I go in a three tier, I, I'd say DJ Brace is pretty amazing at what he does. I mean, he's, I like the fact that he's not like other DJs. And then again, I like DJ Mark Farina. Uh, just mainly because he got me hooked on that mushroom jazz. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that, that's about, you know, I mean, there's so many others though. I mean, but those two are two that I look at in different ways. What has been your favorite party or event you've DJed at and why? You know, I, uh, I have to think about that. We're going back a lot of, a lot of years. I, I would say the, 2000, I received a call from our son asking if I would be interested in doing a job in San Francisco when I was living in Colorado. And the thing that makes this one the most, uh, with the most impact is at the end of the 90s, I was very frustrated. Uh, the 90s was a different era for me in, in a lot of different ways. And so I was almost ready to hang everything up. And he called me and asked me, and I said, sure. So it was a New Year's Eve party and it was at a large restaurant there called Foreign Cinema. And they had Laszlo's, which is a top 10 lounge at one time there, and maybe it still is, uh, connected. And so they were doing uh, the New Year's Eve party with a couple of DJs in the lounge, me and the restaurant and an orchestra outside. And it was like over a thousand people who wanted to really just go crazy and it was just, re-energizing me the whole way. And I used 1200s and a set of CDJs. Something went wrong with the, the 1200s partway through the show, so I finished it on the CDJs, which I'd never used before, except for when I got there, I worked out on them a little bit. To the degree that it was so nice that I just felt like a new, new DJ. <laughs> so I hung around there for three days and my son introduced me to electronic music in ways that I was unfamiliar with, like Ohm Records, like the Mark Farina stuff, of course, Thievery Corporation, Zap Mama, uh, just to name a few. And I just, I mean, I just absorbed all of that, just like I always do. I got back to Colorado, bought a set of CDJs. That's how, I, again, this is why it so, has so much impact on my career is that it just turned me around in a different way. I started doing restaurants, playing like your loungy, chill vibe stuff, and kept rolling. And it's always been positive since then. And even playing the electronic music, I, I will say in 2004, no, 2005, I, I was doing an art show, where uh, an art show in a studio playing electronic music, and a guy walked up and said, I've heard of you, and I just wanted to check you out. 
So the next thing that occurs is I'm doing a mountain party, three days. <laughs> and the second day, I got a lot of reviews playing an, a Middle Eastern set, which is music, again, I got from my son, Matt Lane, anyway. And uh, then moves on to 2018, where I did the Winter Olympic kickoff party and electronic music again. So, you know, it shows you 18 years later what that one show carried me along with all the smaller pieces in between. And so, yeah, that, that 2000 probably was the most invigorating. <laughs> Who's the most interesting person you've met throughout your career as a DJ? Quite a few. <laughs> uh, you know, I've met Art Stewart, which was the engineer for Marvin Gaye, Tina Marie, Rick James. Uh, we're still we're still friends. Uh, I've met Billy Cox, who was the bass player for Jimi Hendrix during the band The Gypsies era, who was a funny kind of guy. Uh, and then I'm, I'm, I've met E40, who is a very humble, respectful uh, individual, and I, I have a uh, a lot of uh, respect for him after meeting him even more so. And, uh, but, but the coolest thing uh, is a friend of my daughter's, his name is Carlos. He was with a group called Felonius at the time. And he does the beatbox stuff. And I was doing this place that uh, I, I was a resident at. And Heather and him had come out uh, to visit. And we talked about he went to, to see if he could do a little, you know, stuff. And I said, sure. So we worked it out to where the dance floor is packed. I'm playing a vibe. I get into the beat and then he beat mixes himself into the set. Nobody even notices <laughs> until bam, there he is. And it just blew everybody away. And then at a certain point, I beat mix myself back in and uh, the show went on. So that that's just to name a few that I think about regularly. What's one thing that you think is missing from live streaming for DJs? I, I think it's the energy. I, I think because you can't hear, touch, or feel that that vibe. And I think that's very important. And shout out to any DJs you know personally whose stories also need to be shared on this podcast. You know, I, I think that... Uh, DJ Prominent would be uh, a very good choice because he's a, a younger DJ. He's in the demographic with my children. And I remember he started out as a turntablist and I watched him evolve to a DJ and he does producing uh, as well. So, I mean, he's, he's in it all around. And I, I think that he would probably have a pretty interesting story to tell you. Awesome. Yeah, we look forward to hearing his story one day. And any DJ that's interested in being on the show can sign up at djsignup.com. And brother, where can people find you online or even in person if you're still doing events? I try to direct people to Instagram now. Uh, my website is on Instagram and they're both DJ Ron Perry. Website is djronperry.com. I'm also on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. Uh, I also have like a local, uh, it's called referralkey.com. I tag into those folks within so many miles of where I'm at or where the show's going to be. And um, 
also have Mixcloud, also have Soundcloud, and even do a couple of radio stations. I have Smooth Jazz played in Barcelona, Spain. I have uh, Rhythm Rave Radio out of Denver as part of the TuneIn.com. And in LA, I'm getting ready to roll out some mixes on KLED. So just uh, look out for it. Awesome, brother. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. I learned a lot from your story. I'm sure our audience has as well. This has been really great. Everyone, please follow, support, and follow my friend here, DJ Ron Perry. Uh, I would love for you guys to stay in touch with him. This has been a great interview. Thank you, brother, for being here. I look forward to building with you going forward. Oh, yeah, we will. I'll be in touch. Um, I'm interested in the live stream thing. All right. <laughs>